Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Easter Sunday, April 5th, 2015, on the basis of Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, so how much do you have riding on this weekend? Each year, about three billion dollars is put on the table in various NCAA basketball tournament bracket pools. And if any of that three billion dollars belongs to you, maybe that's the first thing that you thought of when I asked that question. But actually, I'm much more interested to find out what you have riding on today. Not yesterday, not Monday, but today. How much do you have riding on Easter. I realize that might sound like a bit of an odd question, especially when you consider the place that Easter occupies in the psyche of most Americans. You see, every single year we sort of lament it a little bit that Christmas seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? The decorations are out sooner. The Black Friday sales start earlier. Christmas is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, But don't worry, that's not at all happening with Easter. Easter seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller, doesn't it? You've got the NCAA tournament going on, very exciting. The Badgers are still in it. You've got Major League Baseball starting today. We usually don't give presents on Easter. We don't put out nearly as many decorations at Easter. And I'm not really expecting someone like Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift to suddenly record a very special Easter album the way that they do at Christmas. Easter seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so what I'm going to suggest to you this morning might sound, well, it might sound a little bit risky. You see, the theme of our service today is running on empty. And the basic idea is this, that all of us in life are chasing after certain things, things that we desperately want more than anything else. And I'm here today to tell you that if we look for those things in all the wrong places, we will never find them. Instead, we'll grow discouraged and angry. We'll eventually run out of gas and and eventually be running on empty. But if that chase for everything that we want in life, if that chase starts at Jesus' empty tomb, if Easter ignites and fuels that chase, if we are running on empty in a different way, we are going to find everything that we're looking for and even more. I want you to have that much riding on Easter. Do you think Easter can handle it? Let's take a look. It all started that morning as those women made their way out to Jesus' tomb, carrying with them the spices that they had prepared. They were hoping to give Jesus a proper burial. They wanted to do well what had been done quickly and poorly on Friday afternoon. One last act of tribute to the teacher that they loved so dearly and now missed so sorely. And if they could, maybe it would make them feel just a little bit 
better. These women were chasing after comfort in their sorrow. Then you had the disciples. These are the men who had already bet everything on Jesus. They had left everything behind to follow him. They were certain that he was the promised one. But now they didn't know what to think. When they saw what happened on Good Friday, they were in utter shock. And three days later, they still didn't know what to think. Even when the women brought that report back that they had discovered the tomb empty, they simply dismissed their words as nonsense. These disciples were chasing after answers to all of their questions. Finally, you had one of those apostles, the one named Peter. He wasn't just going to sit there, of course. He wanted to get to the bottom of this, and so he got up and he ran to the tomb to see for himself. It shouldn't surprise us one bit that Peter is the one who got up and did this, not only because we know he was the impulsive one, he always spoke and always acted first, but you know, I can't help but think that a little part of Peter was looking for redemption. That if somehow he could get to the bottom of this and figure out where Jesus' body was, maybe, just maybe, it would make up for what he had done just Thursday night. You remember what happened, right? That string of four-letter words calling down curses on himself all to convince a lowly servant girl that he didn't even know who Jesus was. Peter was chasing after redemption for his guilt. You know what it's like to feel the way that those people felt on Easter Sunday morning? Have you ever stood there at a gravesite and cried uncontrollably? Have you tried anything and everything to try to get those tears to stop? In fact, maybe you've been to a funeral before whose sole purpose seemed to be what these women were looking to do for Jesus on Easter Sunday. One last tribute for the departed. In fact, I don't know if you've noticed this, but more and more we don't even call them funerals anymore. We call them celebrations of life. And you know, I've often thought that something like that would work for every single person there except the spouse. For everyone who only knew the person just well enough to think that he was a pretty good guy. Not for the person who knew him best. Do me a favor. If my wife, Lindsay, survives me, I'm hoping she'll be at least a little bit sad when I'm gone. But if you're around, don't throw a celebration of life. In that moment, she will be looking for comfort, just like anyone else who's ever been there is looking for comfort in their sadness. And that just isn't going to cut it. Maybe you've been where the disciples were, looking for answers to all of your questions. How am I supposed to treat the person who's bullying me at school or maybe even at work? What am I supposed to do about a marriage that seems to be crumbling? What am I supposed to think about what's going on in the world out there, about this latest piece of controversial legislation that passed in the state of Indiana? What are we supposed to do? What are the answers to all of these problems? And maybe we've even gone to the Bible for those answers. But maybe we've been disappointed at times. 
Because we don't find a neat and tidy black and white answer to every single question. And maybe sometimes what we find in the Bible, we just don't want to hear. And so now we don't know what to think. I know we've all been where Peter was, chasing after redemption for deep feelings of guilt, wanting more than anything to be able to turn back the clock, to undo what we have done. And yet, no matter how much time passes and no matter how hard we try, we simply can't erase our past. And that nagging voice of guilt just won't be quiet. Friends, I don't think I need to tell you what it's like to feel the way that these disciples felt on Easter morning, to be running around frantically, chasing after all of the things that we want most in life, but continually coming up empty and running on empty. But if we can't find these things anywhere else, do you really think we're going to find them in an empty tomb? Well, let's take a look at what happened here. And since it's Easter, I suppose we should start out by saying that not everyone agrees, you may know, about what happened here. Probably the two most common explanations to try to explain naturally all of this stir and all of this commotion is that either the disciples went and stole the body and then spread the rumor that Jesus had risen, or they all saw visions of Jesus. They thought they saw him alive, but but really they did not. In other words, either a hoax or a hallucination. Now Christians can say all kinds of things in response to those arguments, but I just wanted to focus on what we see here in the Gospel of Luke this morning. Notice how none of Jesus' followers were expecting this to happen. Do you go out to a tomb to give a guy a proper burial? if you're expecting him to rise that day. And the disciples, after they hear the word that the tomb has been found empty, they still don't know what to think, and they simply dismiss the women's words as nonsense. Even Peter, after he sees it for himself, goes home wondering what it all means, wondering what to think. In other words, these men who are responsible for everything that we know about Jesus are on record for denying and disbelieving the very first reports of Jesus' resurrection. In fact, at that time, it wasn't even part of the Jewish mindset that prior to the last day, someone was going to rise from the dead. And so why would you plan a hoax? Or why would you have a hallucination of something that you're not even expecting to happen, something that you don't even desire to happen? No, really the only explanation for why these same men suddenly went all over the world telling people that Jesus had risen and even taking that message to their death is that it actually happened. But you know, in spite of all of that, I'm actually going to side with the skeptics and the doubters this morning. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Now, before you go home from church and and tell everybody that that's what you learned this morning when you went to worship at Easter, let me explain what I mean. What I mean is that Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. 
Jesus rose from the dead exactly as promised. And there's a big difference there. Did you notice how the angels made such a big deal out of that? They said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. You see, up until this time, sure, Jesus had done a lot of really swell things. And Jesus had done a lot of really smart stuff. But Jesus had also said repeatedly and clearly, I am going to die and then I am going to rise. In other words, Jesus was basically saying, I don't want you to listen to any of this. Don't believe a single word. Don't remember a single miracle unless on the third day I rise from the dead. Jesus was raising the stakes as high as he possibly could. He was calling his own shot. He was guaranteeing victory. And so if you're a little bit nervous at all about about betting it all on Easter, maybe the first thing to consider is simply the fact that you wouldn't be the first one. Jesus himself bet it all on his resurrection. And of course, on Easter Sunday, he delivered in spectacular fashion. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Well, if you're chasing after comfort in your sadness, Easter means that Jesus has destroyed death forever. It means that Jesus has taken the real sting of death, which is sin, and he's removed it. It means that when you lose a loved one, you don't simply have to try to keep them alive in your mind because everyone who dies in the hope of Easter will simply one day be actually alive again. It means that you don't need to try and hold on to them with fond memories because one day you'll actually be able to hold them again. If you're looking for answers to all of your questions, Easter means that if a guy can predict his own death and resurrection and then actually pull it off, we probably want to listen to everything else that he said too, right? Are all of Jesus' words easy to hear? Do they give us nice, neat, and tidy answers and solutions to all of the messes of life? No, not always. But Easter means that Jesus' words are the very wisdom of God, wisdom from on high, certainly much more trustworthy than the little voice inside of me, than whatever Oprah might tell me, than what my horoscope might tell me or what the latest trendy self-help book might tell me. Finally, if you're chasing after guilt, chasing after redemption for your guilt, Easter simply means that redemption is no longer part of your job description anymore. Easter means that God's plan of redemption, namely to take your sin, put that sin on Jesus, punish that sin in Jesus so that he could remove it from you forever, so that it could be removed from your past once and for all, Easter means that plan worked. The check that Jesus wrote by dying on the cross on Good Friday cleared on Easter Sunday morning. Easter means that what Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, is absolutely true. 
You know, a lot of people expect a whole lot out of Jesus. Some expect him to be a, a life coach, an inspiration for kindness and compassion. Maybe even your own personal genie who grants wishes whenever you ask. And of course, a lot of people who are expecting those kinds of things out of Jesus often end up disappointed and, and angry with him. But it's not because they're expecting too much. It's because they're expecting far too little. Jesus is the one who paid for all of your sins. Jesus is the one who secures a spot in heaven for you. Jesus is the one who has destroyed forever everything that could possibly harm you. That's what you should expect out of Jesus. And Easter guarantees that he will deliver. You know, a well-known Christian author was once asked why so many skeptics so steadfastly refuse to believe that Jesus rose from the dead even though no alternative explanation exists. And his answer was interesting. He said, imagine a group of married friends who are continually trying to set up their one single friend on blind dates. And before one of those blind dates, the friends say to their single friend, okay, this is the one. She is unlike any woman that you've ever met. She is going to change your life. And so he goes on the blind date and he comes back and he says to them, you're absolutely right. I've never met anyone quite like her. She's truly a remarkable person. There's just one problem. You've mistaken me for someone who is interested in getting married. I know full well that not everyone is looking for this marriage. Not everyone is looking for religion. Not everyone is dying to be a member of a church. But I also know that we're all chasing after certain things. We're chasing after comfort in our sadness, answers to our questions, and redemption from our guilt. And I know that when that chase starts at Jesus' empty tomb, when Easter ignites and fuels that chase, when our chase is run on empty, life will always be full. You can have that much riding on Easter. And believe me, Easter can handle it. Christ is risen. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.